Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We check in with Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. He is the Fantasy Sports Writer of the Year at NASCAR for 2019. And if any indication as to what's going on in 2020, he's well on his way again. And we're going to preview the Pocono uh, 325 coming up. Of course, uh, Fandle's got some solid odds on that. And if Matt has any DFS options, he'll give them to you as well. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on. It's good to see you again this week. What's happening? Oh, you know, pretty pumped up for the comeback of baseball, and uh, it was a pretty wild ride down there in Talladega. Um, there may or may not have been a hate crime yeah. that happened or a garage door pole that was mistaken for a noose, which if you see the pictures of it, you can make that leap, and it's not all that shocking. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of a crazy weekend weather-wise and race-wise and, you know, everything else wise for NASCAR last weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, it's, it's obviously very important that we put all of the uh, racial divide in front. So we get to talk about it and understand it. And I'm sure that people by now, if they're watching the show, uh, know the story essentially uh, that uh, NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace uh, found what appeared to be a noose in his garage, um, racially motivated one in solidarity, all the drivers backed him. They took a picture before the race at Talladega, which inevitably went off on Monday. And since then, an investigation has shown that there is uh, potential that that noose-looking um, rope had potentially been there uh, for a year or two. And of course, naturally, there's a lot of back and forth as to whether or not this is real or fake. And it's not really for us to decide here. Um, the important thing is that we're able to learn from it, uh, Matt, and certainly move forward. On top of that, I would say that all of this attention for NASCAR outside of the racial end of it is not a bad thing. There's been uh, a ton talked about with Monday night's race really coming down to the wire. Um, you pretty much you know, hit exactly how it was going to go, and there were issues on Sunday with the weather, so Monday it ended up finishing off. But there are some sports right now, Matt, that have that opportunity to capture the attention of the nation. Baseball's been a mess. NBA we're waiting on, NHL's trying to figure out where they're going to play, and we got to wait for football. NASCAR and golf have been our go-tos, and now even <laughs> golf looks like it has its problems. NASCAR's like the primary sport happening right now. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, you know, it's sometimes, I guess there's that saying that all publicity is good publicity. So I guess that's what NASCAR's rolling off of here. Um, they had fans in the stands again. They had 5,000 fans in the seats um, at Talladega. Now, this coming weekend in Pocono, that won't be the case. Uh, Pennsylvania is not allowing fans in the stands, nor is Indiana for the Brickyard 400 coming up, nor is Kentucky um, for that following race. So there's going to be a few races here that don't have fans in the stands, um, understandably, uh, as I think today, uh, I think there was just news, 26 states now have rising numbers from this. So, yeah. you know, we all got to temper our stuff, but uh, it's going to be another interesting weekend coming up, though, because we have back-to-back -back cup races at Pocono, and we've never seen back-to-back -back races in one weekend. Now, when they came back at Darlington, they did race twice in a row at Darlington. However, there was, you know, one was on a Sunday and one was on a Wednesday. Now we're going to see one cup race on Saturday and one cup race on Sunday with the same drivers and the same cars they got to race both both races in. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch strategy happen uh, for Saturday's race, because where you finish Saturday affects where you start on Sunday. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because I've never even heard of them doing that. Uh, this is a first for me. too. Yeah, this is a first. This Now, let me put it this way. They were originally they had before the whole coronavirus thing happened when the 2020 schedule came out. They did originally schedule this doubleheader weekend for Pocono. The reason they wanted to do it was twofold. One, they wanted to shrink the schedule because the Olympics were supposed to take a two-week right. chunk yeah. out of it in July, which obviously no Olympics now. Um, and they also wanted to help sell tickets. And before, you know, the whole corona thing, tickets were flying off the shelves for Pocono because you buy one ticket for a little bit more than a normal race, and you get both cup races, and you get to camp in the middle of a two-and-a-half-mile track. So, mm. um so, yeah, they were doing it for a couple of reasons, just to, you know, try it out, try something new. Um, 
you know, because Pocono typically gets two races a year. They get it about six weeks apart. One is usually at the beginning of June and one is usually about the end of July. So combining both track dates saves them a week in the long run, essentially. So um, we will have to see how this goes uh, and how this ultimately plays out, because if you win the race on Saturday, you're starting 20th in the race on Sunday. <laughs> if you finish 20th on Saturday, you're on the pole right. for Sunday's race. If you finish 21st, you are starting 21st on Sunday. So the mid-20s is going to be real interesting to watch here at the end of the race, uh, especially on Saturday, because you may actually get the benefit of moving up like 20 spots uh, for the start of Sunday's race. All right, so let's take a look at the odds uh, for the Pocono 325. Odds courtesy of our friends and partners over at FanDuel. We've got Harvick as the favorite, Matt, at plus 500, 5 to 1. Kyle Busch is also plus 500, 5 to 1. Chase Elliott is 7 to 1. Martin Truex Jr. at 7 to 1 as well. And we have Denny Hamlin. Those are all the favorites at 7.5 to 1. Um, I don't know. Which, which way do you think that you'd want to go this week? Would you want to basically take a guy at long shot odds? Or do you think somebody at the top has a better shot? No, you're going to want to stick with the favorites this week. Uh, Pocono is typically a track where starting up front is a huge advantage. Uh, for you, you don't see a whole lot of winners outside like the top 10 starting positions. Um, so we're going to stick with the favorites because those are going to be the guys starting up front because, you know, there is no qualifying runs. They're just setting the field based on owner points. So the top 12 drivers are going to start in the top 12 spots in some order. Uh, so out of those guys, my two top picks are probably going to be between Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, they tend to be the guys that do really well at this track. Uh, recently um, so those would be my top two and then I would probably put Kevin Harvick as a third on that list and Chase Elliott would be fourth on that list for me okay have you have you started building DFS at all for the weekend um, so I haven't really started I have an idea of where I would go uh, on FanDuel I have started on there because they release the salaries basically as soon as the previous race ends um so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a race you're going to want to pay up for a couple of really expensive guys, and then you're going to want to fill in with, you know, a, you're going to have to get at least one cheap guy in there and probably a couple of the mid-tier guys as well. Okay, so we'll look for that. And uh, the next race after after uh, Sunday, where are we headed? We are headed to Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Brickyard 400 being run on the 4th of July weekend which was its originally scheduled date when the schedule came out for 2020. Uh, the difference is there'll be no fans. Um, and it's also interesting because the Xfinity Series will be racing there, but they will be racing the Indianapolis road course that goes through the infield of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, while the cup cars are going to race the standard two-and-a-half-mile uh, you know, rectangle oval uh, that's at Indianapolis. All right, so we'll check that out. Um so, Matt, look, I mean, you're a big baseball fan like me, and that's really been all in the news over the last 24 or 48 hours. And, and I know you guys at Fantasy Alarm are getting ready for that. We're getting ready for it, too. What are your thoughts on this 60-game uh, season? I know that you uh, are a huge baseball fan, a huge fantasy enthusiast, too. Are you headed back into a new uh, fantasy draft? Are you keeping your old one? Are you engaged in what is about to happen? Where do you stand? Uh, so the only league that drafted for me before the shutdown happened was the TGFBI, which is an industry uh, expert sure. league. Um, so that got done and drafted. Um, I wish I could have some of that back because a couple of the guys got injured after I drafted them. Um, but yeah, the rest of my leagues, we weren't scheduled to draft until the Saturday, before, like the week before the regular season was slated to start. So none of those drafted. Uh, I will be doing a couple of redraft leagues, but really no money on the line here. Um, just kind of for fun and camaraderie, just to keep the normal home leagues together and us talking. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 60 games is, I think, more than most people thought we were going to get when we heard the commissioner was going to yeah. institute the schedule. It was like, is he going to do 48? Is he going to do 50? So the 60 is cool. Um, it's interesting to see what they did with the Universal DH that I believe we get it for 2020, but don't get it for 2021. Right. Um, no expanded playoffs. Um, so it's pretty. it'll be pretty interesting to see just how much of a sprint this comes down to, because 
as you tweeted the other day, anything can happen in 60 games, and that's certainly true because look at my Nationals last year. First 50 games, they were dead in the water. The last 60 games, they were the hottest team in baseball. Uh, in fact, when they played, when they faced off against the Dodgers since May, what, 31st of last year, they actually had a one-game better record than the Dodgers did from that stretch till the playoffs. So anybody can get hot. Um, the teams that are built on, like, a wing and a prayer, like the Athletics and the Rays, um, yeah, they, they could be really strong contenders here this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what players sit out this year. Yeah, um, that, that's you know, if Cole or Trout or now Charlie Blackman, because yeah. he tested positive, um, it'd be interesting to see who sits out for sure. Yeah, no, I look, I, I think that that's all part of it. Um, the notion that anybody that had a fantasy draft uh, at this point keeping it. Uh, to me, as as Joe and I have discussed, Matt, it's just lazy at this point. You just you, you have to find a way. Yeah, because uh, the the strategy is completely different. It is, and anybody who said they had a strategy going in, it's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, and and look, when 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 camp opens here and and it's opening next week, and they allow reporters back in, and we can start to you know gain access and figure out what's going on, we have to realize these things. And you mentioned Mike Trout. Uh, you know, Mike Trout is having a baby. And Bryce Harper is having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Garrett Cole, and Garrett his Cole wife is, is having a baby. And, 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 and look, if they need to spend a week away, they're going to do it. I mean, these are these are high-level right, players. Which would turn into three weeks because they might have to go under two-week quarantine that, to get back. That, that is it, right. That then is you're talking right. about a third of the season they're going to miss, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, the leagues need to be redone, but also with that grain of salt. And in my home league, too, it's the same thing. We have a, 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 you know, a significant fee that we normally pay. I'm going to have to cut that down, um, you know, you know, very understanding that there's there's so much luck involved in this for sure. So, all right, um, Matt, well, listen, thank you again for coming on. Keep up the good work with NASCAR over at Fantasy Alarm, and we'll check in with you next week before the Brickyard. That should be a premier race on, on the tour for sure. I'm just so enthusiastic watching uh, these races and Monday night's race, I thought, or Monday's race, I thought was – uh, really as good as it's gotten in the pandemic for sports. So we'll yeah, that was that was a pretty phenomenal race. The guy that finished third literally finished third yeah. because of his rear bumper. Uh, so that was pretty that was pretty crazy. Yeah, it certainly was. All right, uh, there he is. Follow him on Twitter at the Selzman and catch all of his work over on Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. Uh, we'll take a quick break in the second hour here of our Fantasy Sports Today show. We're going to dive into some more baseball, some more fantasy talk as well. Don't forget to follow our radio channel over at SportsGrid. That's at SportsGrid, our radio YouTube channel where you can hear Scott Wetzel and Scott Farrell and all of the great shows that we have on TV. We also have them on radio as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid and also over at SportsGrid.com. We will be back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes. So stay right there. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We've discussed it, we've thought about it, and now it is a reality. Fantasy baseball is in a very unique position in 2020 with the amount of games that we have set in front of us, the amount of uncertainty we have in front of us, and really the idea as to who will be jumping back in and who won't, and who potentially has already drafted and will keep their teams, and who's drafted and wants to draft again. There's a lot of unanswered questions, very similar to the reality of the baseball season. So, Joe, I think that it's probably time that we dive a little bit deeper into this today, and to be clear on it, I think it's a personal decision, and it's a commissioner decision, and it's a league decision. If you feel strongly about a certain way and you have an opinion, you have the right to make your voice heard in any fantasy league you play in, especially if it's for money, by the way. Um, and in this particular case, uh, I, I thought it would be a good idea to look at both sides of the argument. And if there's you know, certainly things that I've missed, Joe, feel free to you know, throw them in, and we can you know, get into all of it here today. And, and you know... I'll give you my unbiased uh, take on this as I run through argument one and argument two. And then, of course, at the end, I'll tell you what I feel should be done. Well, you just hit on something, too. That I don't know if we're going to dive into or how much, but I think any big cash league, you should 
not do. <laughs> like I, I don't think big cash leagues should be going forward with 60 games, the variables, the COVID like you're, it, it is asking a lot. Now, if everybody is just like, Hey, you know what? This is our money to burn. Let's light on fire. It's going to be fun. Okay. If, if you're just, well, if you're the guy that spent $6 million on Kirk Cobain's guitar, like we talked about yesterday. Okay. That's fine. That's yeah, perfectly yeah, fine. I mean, that's, that's that. when you have that kind of money and you're buying, yeah, you know, right. But for those people who Range like, Rovers, it doesn't matter. Right. But, but for those people who are allowed to spend like, you know, a couple hundred dollars on right. that one big league, I think everybody, you need to understand that it's it's going to be very dicey out there. It's going to be difficult. And I think you should put a pause on that, put a pin in that, just, you know, up the ante for next year, maybe even, and just kind of roll it over or what have you, or add a little bit more and have fun. And you can, if you want, also take a chunk of that and just redraft and play it on the side, which is something I'm a proponent of. But let's kick things off here with uh, your do's and don'ts of whether or not to play or not to play. Well, that is the question, Craig Mish. That it is. All right. So he, so here's the argument of, of not redrafting. And, and certainly there are some solid arguments here. Uh, look, you, the league could vote against it. You could have a league vote. You could have 12 teams and 10 love their teams and say, hey, we want to keep the teams. You know what? That league shouldn't redraft. I totally agree. If you have a vote and everybody wants to keep it the same, great. Uh, the other part of this is that, look, if you drafted in March or or maybe even you drafted during the pandemic, I mean, shame on you, honestly. I mean, you knew that there would be a delay of some There were time. a lot of people doing that, by the way, which I thought was insane. Including the NFBC. <laughs> well, don't get me started on that. but Including the NFBC into April. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, they're running a business. They got to make money, so... <laughs> So, uh, look, they knew that there would be a delay, and, and so you drafted, and, and look, that's it's a fair excuse. I mean, if you were, you know, if, if you, you had to know that, that at least the season was going to get shortened down. I mean, there was never a thought of 162. There were some 115s and 140s and 112s going around, but 162 was pretty much out almost from the beginning. Um, look, if you claim that you had some specific strategy that you can't employ, Again, I mean, I suppose that's fair. Like if you if you were to lay that out and say, hey, look, this is what I did. And, you know, I, I read the room the right way. It was an auction. I mean, look, it's a it's a fair assessment, I suppose. Uh, look, the other part of this, too, is that it, to, against redrafting is you could say to all your league owners, hey, look, you really want to redraft again. We may have a season canceled again. Or postponed again. That's fair. And I don't, and, and I don't want to go through it again. And and, and so, how hard is it to schedule everybody's schedules around? I mean, maybe it's less no, so now. No, that's BS. That's BS. Uh, everyone's home. Everyone's home. They could do it online. Not that's, everyone's that's, home. That's not, not everybody's. I'm not home. buying that. No. Right, well, not. I don't think everybody's home. I think that's a that's a difficult. Everyone's uh, not home at night. What do you mean? Where are they? Not everybody. Some people work at night. I'm doing shows at night. Some people work at night. Some of us. Not everyone lives the life of luxury of Frank Mesh. You, you can figure out a way to redraft. That's not the deal. But right. but I don't agree with that. But the season could get banged, as they say in baseball, or could get canceled. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a real thought. And, you know, part of it, which which is something else, is, hey, look, if, if you're not a big baseball fan and you just did it to have fun and you only care about football— then that's part of the equation as well. And I'd like to add one other thing, too, is if there's no money at all in the league and you don't consider the league to be among experts, per se, and it's only, and there was no money, then, yeah, I mean, just just play it out. Who, who cares? But you, but you can't have an expert league and claim that an expert won something that was all luck. So I want to make sure that that is the case, too. But if well, there's no money— I can't wait until I win labor this year— so that you can taunt me and talk down about it and and how I, it's all luck and it doesn't count and it's a fake. I'll, I'll basically what I'll do is I'll get a trophy with a giant asterisk and I'll just keep it right here on the mantle next to. And, and what and what if you finish last again? Then you'll say, oh well, you know. Yeah, oh, oh. hey, I, I got I I look. First, I'm telling you now from the last. beginning, whether you finish first or you finish last, it's luck that wins the league this year. It's That's tainted. It. It's all tainted. It is. It is a hundred percent a joke. Do you feel the same way about a, a World Series champion? Just curious. I will. I will feel uh, that it would be an inferior champion this year. Yes. Wow. So even like if it's the Yankees or the Nationals repeat, you think uh, inferior? It will be inferior. Yeah. Okay. No question about it. Yep. No Fair question. About it. Wow. Game. Set ourselves up for disappointment. It hasn't even started yet. We're, they're doing this for fun. I mean, I, I mean, they're doing it for real, but it's, oh, they're not doing it for fun. 
they're doing it for money. Let's be honest of why they're doing it. It's 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 just it's <laughs> look. I, I'm gonna enjoy it. What if honestly, if they played spring training the next five months on TV, I'd enjoy that too. All right, so that's argument for not redrafting. Here is the argument to redraft a fantasy baseball league. If by some reason you did it in February, or early March, uh, the DH in the National League. Clearly, this is this is a huge change for those people. <laughs> NL only leagues. I mean, well, can we on. start there? Can we just start there? Because you play in NL only leagues. I hate only leagues like that. If somebody asks me to do them, I just flat out say no. I love. Yeah. I hate it. It's the worst. And now, if you're an NL only league, I don't see the any guideline in which you can go forward without redrafting. Because doesn't this completely change the landscape of all of a sudden 15 more players? Of course. Okay, of course. so NL only leagues, forget it. Not to mention, we haven't even touched on how the schedule is going to be very different because they're talking about how the schedule is going to be, let's say, for instance, you know, that that, that uh, Amtrak corridor, the Acela corridor kind of thing, where you're going to have a lot of teams kind of staying in the Northeast yeah. for the most part. You know, that's going to take a lot of – that's a very different thing to equate to. You didn't put that in the, in the reasons to, you know, redraft, I don't think, here. But uh, that's another thing I would add to this list of, Scheduling. you know, certain teams are going to – like, I know certain teams are going to be playing some juggernaut teams that they wouldn't normally as much as they yeah, are. I mean, the hardest schedule in the league is the Marlins. Right. Because they're going to. Right, exactly. They get the AL East. Well, but I mean, I think there's I think you have to look at it from teams that you thought could be could be good or could be more competitive than even the Marlins. And all of a sudden they're playing teams that they wouldn't normally play who happen to be like the Dodgers good or the Astros good more. Like all of a sudden you got to look at that. And so say, the teams oh, in the West have to play the teams in the West. Uh, uh, another reason that you do redraft is because you're going to have constant players that are in and out due to COVID. Those teams that you drafted in a week from now, you're going to find out that a couple of your guys are done and had nothing to do with anything else except for they got sick. I mean, come on. I mean, so you need bigger rosters. Would you would you be an advocate for bigger? I, I don't I don't know that you do. I just think that you need to wait right till the season starts. You know, OK, like, well, even even waiting till the season starts. I mean, you have your free agent budget. Obviously, this is a short amount of time to spend it. But at the same time, do you think that it's something you want to leave to everybody fighting over these players in the waiver wire every week or not? Not. I don't I don't I think you could I don't really have opinion one way. Or the other. If it's a mixed <laughs> league, there's guys available. I'm not OK. Worried. I'm 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 a proponent of AL only NL only yeah you're gonna have well you gotta realize some people play with very limited bench spots anyway and if you're playing in one of those Yahoo leagues where there's like a three bench spot so maybe you add a spot for COVID sure not only a COVID spot I'm just saying just bigger benches because they're gonna have taxi squads and you might need a taxi squad you could it's it's a fine idea why not especially in those daily transaction formats which I hate too by the way just putting that out there let's let's get let's finish this. Uh, new reserve list creates opportunities for teams. We saw the Mariners come out yesterday and discuss the idea of all their top prospects being on their reserve list, which would have been unheard of in a regular season to think that Julio Rodriguez or anyone, even their first-round pick Emerson Hancock, could possibly get into a big league game this year. But here we are. They're all going to be there, according to their general manager. That's not something I saw coming. Uh, on top of that, you have plenty of time between now and the start of the season you have a month, get a date, figure out, and you do a redraft league because you're not lazy. You like fantasy sports. You want to make sure everybody is happy. And so I, I just think it's laziness to just <laughs> take your take the teams and say, oh, we're not doing it again. We did it. I, I don't like it. So, look, my opinion <laughs> is is redrafting across the board. I know I'm not going to get my wish on that, and I understand it. And I would never enforce my will on someone else, but – this is a show of opinions, and my opinion is is that if you're going to dedicate two months to anything in life, make sure that there's skill involved in it as opposed to luck. And in this case, the 2020 fantasy season, anything that was previously drafted has way too much luck involved in it and deserves a chance to be redone. All right, I have a question for you with some of these younger guys because I legitimately don't know the answer, so I don't know if there is an answer for it. What does service time happen or not for yeah. these kids who get called up so if Kalenic yeah. gets called up that clock begins right yes it does okay then the mariners are full of crap i don't believe that for a second that they're going to do that you tell me oh. not to believe everything everybody says and sometimes i agree with you and sometimes i don't i am agreeing with you i'm not believing anything they say why in god's name would they bring up some of their best prospects in a year where they're absolutely it's an easy answer what what to put butts in the seats there's no butts and no seats. Exactly. It's it's called sarcasm. It has nothing right? to do with that, Joe. It's what is just it? in case, man. 
Ah, no, I don't see any of those guys. You're telling me if the Seattle Mariners are in first place in the West? (laughs) Well, that's not going to happen anyway. Why not? Uh, You're you're ruling out anything? I'm ruling out the Mariners. Not anything. I'm ruling out the Mariners being in first place. It's foolish to rule anything out in a season such as this. And it's Have unlikely. you looked at the pitching staff? Have you looked at the bullpen it, of that it's team? It's unlikely, but you always prepare for a rainy day. And in this case, if the Mariners are doing well and they see an opportunity out of nowhere to compete and get into the postseason, and there are ten games, there's ten games left or fifteen games left, they say, "Wow, we can call up these kids and make a big run for it." The Mariners are going to do it. Not the Mariners. I don't think the Mariners I think are they now. Would the Rays. The Rays, on the other hand, I think they will. I think everybody should watch Wander Franco shares very carefully. And if you are redrafting, that's a guy that the Rays, I think, are going to be good. I think the Rays are going to be competitive, and I think they will be aggressive. And I think a guy like Wander Franco could help them. So for me, yeah, like those are the kind of teams and those are the prospects. Uh, maybe some of the guys on the Padres, too. Like you're, you got to be talking about the teams that really have a chance. The teams that you know, like the Pirates and the, and the Mariners rebuilding, it would be infinitely stupid for them to start a clock on a player. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it, Craig. So I think it's a We're bad investment. We're going to have investment. another bet, you and I. It's a bad investment. I'm sorry. That's You're fine. Gonna, I, we're going to have another bet before the season starts. Especially with the looming CBA, why would you want to be starting? I'm going to bet you I'm going to take $10 on every team that you don't think has any shot to make the playoffs. Okay. And Tim, I'll make a lot of money on you. You can make a $10 wager one right of them now. will. Book it right here, Brett. $10. I got to see what the odds Mariners are. make the playoffs. The Craig, oh, here we go again. You always cop out. I got to see the odds. Just just straight up. Nope. Odds. Break. Odds. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. You know, it's funny, Joe and I, if you go back and watch one of our shows on demand, we talked about potential players in sports uh, chasing rings at the end of their career. And this is like a perfect time to bring this up here on the show because J.R. Smith uh, looks like there's a chance that he could sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, of course, why is this all happening? Because there are some players that are opting out, Joe, of the NBA season due to uh, health issues. Avery Bradley is one of those. And you can tell how serious that must be because the Lakers are clearly either the favorite or close to being a favorite in the NBA. J.R. Smith has had some ups and downs over the course of his career, especially with Cleveland, no doubt. With LeBron. Look, well, obviously LeBron wants him back. I mean, that's the only possible way that this could be happening, because if he did he wouldn't be there. The memes are going to be worth it. Like, I hope that all, like, I hope that happens just to see the internet pop up with all the memes of that, that, that famous shot of LeBron James looking at him and saying, what are you doing on the Lakers now? Like, you know, that's going to be out. You know, there's going to be so many of these things. I thought I left you in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. so. well, I mean, that's the thing is we're going to have to keep an eye on on who's going to be playing and who's not. We talked about Noah earlier in the week. DeMarcus Cousins uh, could possibly sign uh, with a team. He's been rehabbing. And, you know, certainly when he's healthy, he's one of the best big men in the NBA. Um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers tested positive as well. Uh, so a lot, there's a there's a lot to kind of absorb with this. And I think that it's very similar to baseball where we're still a month away, essentially, from the NBA coming back. So we have to look at it player by player and realize that it could be two weeks, it could be three. Now, the one thing that I do want to say, and I've seen some comments like this online, I've seen people say that, oh, it's a good thing that it happened now, as opposed to the beginning of the season. Like, you have to have zero awareness of any kind of illness or sickness to hope that a guy gets sick now, as opposed to the start of the season. It is amazing to me that I could read this stuff online uh, but then again, you know, you have guys like uh, Kurt Schilling out there, too, or, and, uh, and and Aubrey Huff that are out there, you know, <laughs> popping off as well. So nothing should surprise oh, me. Oh, my God. That, that, by the way, has been the, the best theater of the last two or three days. You know, it, Chris Towers, a friend of ours, kind of summed it up best. He's like, when you're watching a, a Twitter fight that involves uh, Kurt Schilling, Aubrey Huff, and you find yourself siding with Trevor Bauer, and he put a little meme of Larry David going, I said, that's it. You nailed it. That's exactly the feeling I have right now because I'm not always the biggest fan of Trevor Bauer. But uh, yeah, this there's definitely some weird things happening out there. Twitter is a very strange space. 
I advise people not to stay on it too much because everybody thinks that Twitter is somehow a representation of of reality of what's going on, how people think about things and feel. No, it's not. Most people, most Americans, most people are not on Twitter. Just just keep that in mind. Twitter doesn't represent That's the world. Big, that, I, and, and you know what? You lose sight of that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I and I lose sight of that sometimes. Believe me, you know, I used to say a lot more on there than I do now, but you know, at the time it may have I may have only had 500 followers or 1000 followers, but when you have 20,000 or 25,000 people, it it definitely changes my perception on what I say because I know I'm speaking to more of an audience. So I I've transitioned into just saying things all the time to when there's something important to say, then I do. But if there's just something personal to say, then I'll tell my son or my daughter or my wife or a friend. I just don't feel like that's the the uh, the medium for it. And and I've you know kind of gone back and forth on the idea of my kids being uh, on there on you know just like pictures of my and and I've just decided against it. Like I just I don't think that I, uh, I'm I don't you, think man. it's a personal site. I don't I don't think it is. It's a very weird thing. Like I don't know when to start having your kids have social media accounts and things like that. Like my daughter's ten. She finally has her own email account where she can like message me some days where she's at her mom's and she does like it's really been cool. Like she'll just send me funny pictures and talk to me about stuff or ask me a question or just say hi and good morning and things like that. And that's really nice that she wants to communicate me that way. Obviously, if she becomes a teenager, she probably want to talk to me. But for now, it's really cute. And I like that. But there's this weird thing where even adults kind of loop themselves in a little bit too much of their self-esteem to how many likes they get. Uh, and that is just, it's crazy. It's just, it's absolute madness. You shouldn't be worrying about that. And it's hard enough to be a teenager <laughs> worrying about like, do your actual friends like you, whether on complete strangers or people, uh, it's just, there's a lot to unpack there, but I just want to remind everybody, Twitter is not the world. I know it feels like it. I know it seems like, but this person has a hundred thousand followers and this like, you know, like, that's, that's a very small amount of people when all said and done, trust me. But the people who have like 2 million followers and things like that, you get to that level, like when you're Tom Hanks or somebody, or some of the, like the professional wrestlers who have a couple Kardashians. million. The Kardashians, obviously. Like that's that's a whole different responsibility in a whole different universe. But man, like just, just don't take it so seriously, really, everybody. Just, you know, just spend your time going for a walk, doing things. And as far as the kids go, you're right. I don't... I don't know what to think. What do you think is an appropriate age? You have a daughter who's a little older than mine. When, my, my daughter has from? everything. She has all of the sites. They're all locked. That's what she has. Everything. So how does that work? Educate me as the, the no dad. No one can see anything that she's doing unless it's a friend of hers that, that, and has the permission to be able to unlock. I mean, okay. somebody. I mean, she could take a picture, hypothetically, and one of her friends that she allows to be friends with could screenshot and post something of right. her publicly. Right. That could def that could definitely happen, but it's not the intent. But I know it's never the intent, but unfortunately, that's the circumstance. That's the yeah, world we live in. It's very difficult. It's very I, tricky. I've been man. very careful. You know, from the beginning, I've never even had. I mean, people think I'm crazy, but I've never had Facebook from day one. Never. No, you up haven't. One. You haven't. But I do want to tell everybody to go out there and uh, make sure you find Craig on TikTok because his dances are. I am lit. on TikTok. I I actually downloaded TikTok and had it on my phone for about a week, and I was like, I don't get this. And and by I the way, TikTok's a monster, and it is the future. I'm totally on board with that. But I don't know. We're for, old. Where are, you, are we going to do me, TikTok dances? Just, I I know what they are, but I can't do any of them. Well, I can tell you this much. And one of these wagers, uh, I'm going to want you to do a TikTok dance for the show. Like okay, Seattle Mariners starting the clock on Jared Kalenic. That that I'm I'm good. Let's let's do that. I, if I lose, I gotta I, I gotta find the odds. Let's forget the odds. Forget the odds. Because now it's not money. Now it's just mano a mano. No, it's always the odds. I'm always oh, taking the odds. Such a There's no mano a mano. There's, there, there, whatever the odds are, that's Go a bet. Go to the network. One of us, and I'll, I'll video it. I don't care. I have no shame. Everybody knows that about me. Craig has some shame, though. Craig, 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 TikTok dance. That's worth it. So I'm telling you right now. You can what is it that it you're up. saying that's not going to happen? Uh, if Jared Kalenic like, like called up, if, the if the Seattle, well, you said Seattle Mariners get to first place or whatever it is. If the Seattle Mariners, and again, you know, finish in first place, I will happily do a TikTok dance here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today. Whatever TikTok dance you choose, I will do my best to do. Yeah, so. but it's a bad bet. They're very unlikely to make the playoffs and probably won't. In fact, there's like a 90% chance that they won't. But when you make a bet, you want to have great odds on the 10%. That's the point. It's not right. like that. That can't be a straight up bet. It's not possible. 
It's, right. it's very so, unlikely. I'm not okay, saying that they're right, going to make it. I'll give you odds. I'll give you odds. Whatever the odds are, that's the number of TikTok that's dances right. I'll do. How's that? Because whatever the I'm odds willing, are on, I'm willing, whatever I'm, their odds are to make what? What are we using to make the playoff? Whatever, or is it to, with a division? Because you you may get because you remember they're adding teams, aren't they? Are they doing that or no? I forget. I, I don't. Well, I, whatever the FanDuel odds, whenever things come out, we'll find to make the postseason. To make the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. How many postseason teams are getting in this year? What's the What's the deal on that? I think they added six more or something. They like added that. six more. Uh, I still think I like my chances there, depending well, on what the well, Listen, odds. when they have, you know, John uh, Sheeran said that they're going to have them up pretty soon, all the odds, but they want to get clear of a little more of this. Oh, of and course, then... and and they and rightfully so. But I think when you look at it, I think it, the it's only fair that if it's like a three to one or whatever, whatever that three ratio is. <laughs> You'd be doing I, a lot more than that. I said America, whatever so. it ends up being, right? I mean, I could be doing a TikTok dance every day for the the for them the to make the postseason is probably going to be. I would say uh, 25 to 30 to one. Probably. Oh, look, we always could use content. We're here five days a week. Yes. So if I have to do 25 and I'm, and I'm wrong, that's fine. But just just be one, then, right? you just have to do one, but that one's going to be worth it because we could always. It has, does it have to be a real TikTok? No. Oh, yeah. Elf my choosing. <laughs> yeah. But that means I have to sign up for TikTok. I'll do uh, it on the show. No, I'll you definitely have... do whatever you want on the show, but I'm not signing up for TikTok. You don't have to sign up for TikTok. To I'll dance on and... this show. Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. good. That's now we're now we're getting somewhere. So let's update everybody else on more important things. But I guess. first we gotta get first we gotta get the odds. All right. Um, <laughs> Can I, get I gotta that on see how, I gotta see how many there's a possibility <laughs> of you today. Them. And on the back it says, but first we gotta get the odds. <laughs> all, right. all right. So it's not all good news. We've had a lot of good news on the show today, but it's not all good news. Uh, you know, I mean, we had Rick Gaiman on the show yesterday, and we talked about you know, and I asked him point blank, hey, what do you do? in your DFS projections, on your website, when you have a, a, a golfer out. And he was very emphatic about it. He's like, look, you know, it's definitely a possibility. And when that happens, that's when I make the adjustments. He's having to make a lot of adjustments. Like, this is wild. Um, Brooks Kepka's caddy tested positive. He's out of this weekend's tournament. Uh, Webb Simpson withdrew from this weekend's tournament. Uh, Graham McDowell's caddy tested positive. He's out, too. And I hate to say that this is a precursor for what could happen in all sports, but Joe, this is golf, man. Like if golf is taking it on the chin here, can't say that I'm overly optimistic about everything else. No, I, I can't. I think this is just going to be what it's, what it is. It's a new reality. I mean, you know, it's the difference between golf is if the player doesn't play, doesn't play. If a player doesn't play, doesn't mean the team doesn't play. You know what I mean? If somebody is, uh, let's say Charlie Blackman, for instance, test positive and he's out, doesn't mean that all of a sudden necessarily the entire Rockies stop playing. Now Not that could necessarily. happen. Again, I did. I went right to it. I did go right to it. Right. That that we, could don't, be we that. don't know. It's a scary thing. It's it is a scary, scary thing because what if there's five guys that test right. positive at that point? Right. Then what? And what if the Rockies then can't play for two weeks as a and collective? The Mariners call all their guys up. And then the Mariners call all their guys up, win the World Series, and I'm doing TikTok dances here on the show every single day. Uh, I don't know, man. This is why I keep I was, going I'm back. I'm rooting to this. for golf so hard to make it. I, I give these guys so much credit, but uh, as John Sheeran mentioned earlier, and you know he didn't say this as as his opinion, just sort of factually here, like you know the European PGA Tour waited a little bit longer. And and the PGA Tour, you know, pushed themselves to get back out there. And I give them credit for trying to entertain us and, you know, certainly being back out there as well. But did they start up too soon? You know, I don't know, but we're on the verge of them getting shut down. I mean, I mean, I don't think that they're going to shut down over Kepka, Simpson and McDowell. I was say, well, it was it was McDowell is caddy tested positive, right? Right. But that means that the, the, the golfer is not going to play. OK, the golfer is not going to play. Without his caddy, without okay. the caddy, yeah, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be. So, man, I'm Listen, in the line, he, wrong line of work. I should have been a caddy. No, caddies, are, <laughs> caddies do very well. They do very well. <laughs> Coming up next, we're gonna end the show with a little uh, fantasy football. Over the weekend, the Fantasy Sports Gaming Association, uh, over the last few days, had their annual draft. Their way too early draft for the 2020 fantasy football season. We're gonna take a look at that, see what we liked and didn't like. Coming up next. Thank you. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today as Craig and Joe right off into the sunset for this Thursday. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow on the show. We got our friend Gray Albright back. We can actually talk about baseball with Gray, so we'll have him on the program tomorrow. <laughs> Must-see television other there Other tomorrow, fun interviews. Uh, what about Diamond Bets this weekend, Joe? What's on the slate for Diamond Bets there? Well, Diamond Bets, we're going to continue to address what to do with fantasy stuff, but we're also going to flip some cards, which is one of everybody's favorite segment. Very funny things. We've got some uh, outstanding uh, card-flipping uh, baseball cards, uh, asking some very provocative and interesting questions about them. Uh, so it's a little comedy segment we like to do. We're also going to break down the uh, National League West teams and uh, what they look like and their odds in a 60-game season, basically trying to pinpoint what we think of these teams now with a condensed uh, schedule, potentially. So uh, you tune into that this Sunday over on SportsGrid. All right. We we'll look forward to catching it. And, of course, our weekend show, Fantasy Sports Today Weekend Edition, will be airing Saturday morning and Sunday night. So... Over the last few days, uh, each and every year, they have what's called the FSGA Draft. This is the Fantasy Sports Gaming Association. And and certainly there are a lot of folks who are involved in the fantasy industry that participate in this every single year. And uh, the FSGA certainly does the best job that they possibly can of putting an event like this on in person. But due to everything that's happened, there is no summer event this year. I've been to both the summer and winter and um, and they're they're fun events. It's good to see people, uh, you know, that are your your counterparts sort of in the industry as well. If this is an industry, I know uh, some people think it's more of a community, and I tend to agree with it in that way. But uh, look, I, I uh, looking at the draft, and certainly we're going to focus on a few players here, Joe. Overall, it did feel like more running backs were taken in the first round that I can ever remember, and and this is going back, I mean, back to the old days when. When there was no PPR, when essentially you just everybody took two running backs with their first two picks. But in the first round, essentially all running backs taken except for Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and a bit of a surprise as Devontae Adams was taken at the end of the first round. Yeah, well, that's not too surprising for me. It's a 14-team league, so the running backs are a bit of a priority. So instead of a 12-team league where you can kind of maneuver around a little bit, the 14-teamer, all of a sudden, running back does dry up very quickly. It's just a simple mathematics, right? You know, you have one running back pretty much per team. Maybe there's a secondary guy on some that you're interested in in fantasy terms, but in terms of wide receivers, there's two, potentially even three on teams. So in terms of supply and demand, whenever you start to stretch that out a little bit, it makes a lot more sense. So really no surprise here with the first few picks. You have McCaffrey, you have Barkley, you have Elliott. Uh, Dalvin Cook goes fourth overall, which I thought was a little ballsy considering where we're at with the holdout I thought that was a bit of a surprise especially with Michael Thomas still on the board Joe Mixon Derrick Henry those kind of guys but you know everyone has their own opinion on how they want to construct sure. a team uh looking forward through that I really thought you know just from a core building standpoint I really liked uh the Ambrosius and Kucinich team uh they drafted 13th overall uh, I personally like the turn anyway because I feel like you can kind of double dip and get what you want there and they did double dip on running backs and they got Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake then they follow that up with Allen Robinson and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So right off the bat, to me, I always look at who's coming away in the first four rounds with a core that I think I could go to war with and play out a season. And I think when you have two running backs that still don't have a lot of mileage on them, two running backs that are the main guy in their offense, and then you're backing it up with a guy like Allen Robinson, who was very steady last year, and Juju, who this time last year was going probably in the at the turn at the second round, pretty much. That's where he was going, theoretically. So you got basically a two-round discount on him. I think that's a great job there by uh, that team of NFFC, <laughs> ironically. Uh, so those two guys really know what they're doing. I also thought Howard Bender's team was uh, interesting as well. The problem is he's going to have to rely on Cam Akers really running away with that job. Uh, he's got Jordan Howard there as well as a player who I think has – uh, look, I understand there's no ceiling, but he's got the floor. And I think when you're in a deeper league, you take the floor and you run with it. Uh, I love DeAndre Hopkins this year. It was nice to see Hopkins go ahead of Adams because, as we've talked about on this show, Craig, so many people have Adams as basically the 1A wide receiver right directly after Michael Thomas. 
I don't see that. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. When you watch Julio Jones go out there every year and throw 1,400 yards and play through injuries, when you watch DeAndre Hopkins on the field, when you watch Michael Thomas, like, I, it's not that I think Devontae Adams is bad. Don't get me wrong. But, man, he is the lone guy in that offense, and I think it's asking a lot for him to repeat what he did two years ago, especially when you pull back and you look how many games he's missed over the last four. Yeah, I, I mean, Adams, for me, that's why it was a bit of a surprise. But again, I, I haven't paid as close of attention to ADP, and, and you you dove in a lot more than I yeah. have over the last couple of months. So um, the, my, my big takeaway, I suppose, in just kind of looking at it, and, you know, again, there's there's months before this all starts, and a lot could change for me. But I just don't think that there's any chance I'm taking a running back in the second round. Like, I, I'm looking at the second-round running backs that were taken in this FSGA draft, and I feel like I'm much better off throwing a dart at a rookie later on. And just I would agree. Piece it together. It's just I, really you know what? scary. <laughs> really well, scary. that and you know, it's, what's funny to me that you're saying that, right? And that's your take of somebody who hasn't dug into ADP. Well, I've dug in a ton of ADP. I helped create ADP for God's sakes. And the Black Book has been out for a month now on Amazon. And that's exactly the same strategy I would have in this league, especially because of 14 teams. Because why would you want to be passing on talents in the second round at wide receiver that are out there like yeah, Kenny Galladay, uh, yeah. like Cooper Cup, like Mike Evans? Mike Evans might have his Mike seconds. Evans should have been a second rounder. Look, I, mean, I, I understand people are down a little bit on Mike Evans, and I understand why? he's well, because if you look at the game log, it is very like huge it's games. A games at the end. I understand that, but but you also have to look at the the big picture here. Mike Evans is going to make history this year by being the first guy to have seven straight thousand yard seasons. <laughs> that's that's not something we need to like like stop and take a picture of and realize. That's pretty good. So why you are giving up that sort of thing? And I can only assume this is full point PPR. If it's half, okay, you know, even still, I'm going to make an argument for Mike Evans because he has right. a lot of touchdown upside. So he might have even more than Godwin potentially in this offense. Uh, I don't understand that either. This is a very unique situation here where you have guys like Taylor, guys like Swift, guys like Cam Akers that you can basically wait. I would wait. take shots on those guys later. I would too. In a 14-team league, I think you're basically – there's yeah. no reason not to. Um, I also think when you're looking at this, Craig, the thing that popped out, you want to follow and see where – uh, the value round of Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been because it's been as early as the first round and as late as the fourth round in some drafts I've seen. Uh, but he went over here in the second round, basically uh, at the two uh, five spot, it looks like. And that's, you know, that's pretty early still. I mean, he went before Fournette. I don't think uh, there's any value there. I, I, I The way that I look Tyree at it is Hill. that, <laughs> is that the, second, the second round of this draft that we're discussing, and I'll just roll off, uh, the running backs that were taken, um, uh, Kenyon Drake, who I've made pretty clear who I don't trust at all. Uh, Austin Eckler, who is the only one that I'll mention here that I think is is pretty much in line to have a good year. I, I, I can't poke holes at that guy. Uh, Edward Tillaire, I'm unclear, never played it down in the NFL. Fournette, highly doubt that he's with Jacksonville to start the season. Singletary, Maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, Buffalo hasn't shown any, you know, desire to make him the full time guy. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I'm well, not I sure. Don't, I don't know if you can say they haven't shown the desire because when you miss six games in the middle of a season as a rookie, I think it's really difficult to to. I think it's difficult to say Devin that. Devin Singletary is not running for any 50-yard touchdowns. I'm certain of that. This is not a guy that has breakaway speed to do it. And so. Oh, really? Okay. I, but, but, but again, again, he's. Of all the guys that I'm going to mention, he's more reliable than the others. Like, if, if I had to rank them, for me, it would be Eckler, and then it would be Singletary after that. But that's not saying a lot, because after that, you have you have three guys that I would not touch. And they're all taken in the second round. I wouldn't take them in the fourth round. <clears throat> I mean, Bob I Gurley, think— David Johnson. That's the and one. Chris Carson. And, and, yeah. I, and I was huge on Chris Carson last year. But after the serious injury— I mean, you Well, gotta, again, you got you to— gotta, With the Chris Carson pick— in a 14-team well, league. I need to understand what's going on with Chris Carson probably more. Is he That's healthy? fair. Like, what's the story with him? Well, like, according to me, Carroll, he's healthy, and he'll be ready to go. But, you know, yeah, he's, I don't know. I, 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 mean, that, I thought that he could potentially miss a year when he got hurt last year. Uh, and now well, all look, of a sudden he's in the second round of fantasy drafts. And then Le'Veon Bell and David Montgomery. Ew. Like, I don't well, know. Listen, I'm going to take I'm going to take a running back and then two receivers or tight end. Well, and that's what Mike Clay did. Mike Clay made out in this draft, too, because he took Kamara. He was right in the middle of this draft. And then somehow. Yeah, that, that looks like a draft of my, that I would try. But that here's, like here's the draft. only issue. Now, look, he had to do what he did here. 
because he had to take Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones making it back to you in a 14-team yeah, league here in the second totally, round is yeah. ludicrous. Like, honestly, I don't know how people can look at taking, you know, Clyde edwards alaire over Julio Jones. I'm oh, sorry. Like, to me, I look at that, and it's a farce. And this is my problem with these. How about Lamar Jackson drafts. was taken in the second round? Well, no, but that I can justify. In a really? Is he going in the second round of all the it, drafts? I, I don't like it. I wouldn't do it. He's usually going in the third round of a 12-teamer. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't remember quarterbacks going that high. Here's the thing. You, you look at it in a 14-teamer, you're getting a possible 800 yards rushing on top of the quarterback. Yeah, no, I understand. So from from I can make that argument. It's not a strategy I would do. But here's my big problem with a lot of these expert drafts. A lot of these guys, what they do is they make these drafts and they take these guys to try to fill a narrative of the things they're trying oh, to promote they, and do. And I hate oh, that. When I do these drafts, I try my best to try to draft like I want to win this league and I want you to like learn from it and try to do the same thing. Like, And, and I feel like so much you get these things like, well, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'm going to be the guy to take him. I'm going to prove everything. You know what? What are you proving except you're passing on a guy in Julio Jones who has 1,400-yard seasons every freaking year? And that drives me crazy, man. It really does. The, with Clay's team, he's got Kamara, Julio Jones, and Mike Evans – and then he has to take DeAndre Swift. Now, but I like that though. I like, I like that, that too. There's some huge risk there because the only other, uh, of course, there is. But it's fantasy football. You take the well, risk. Right, right. And his risks are later on. He's got Cohen and Daryl yeah, Henderson. Yeah, he has still more risks. He doesn't. He doesn't have any certainty at that position. But at the end of the year, he'll have someone. He'll go work the waiver wire. It happens every year. Some well, guy comes and, and and that's the thing. I just I, think I, you're I, wasting picks on these running backs. I do that too. Because they have the job that makes them. There's Bible. no universe, Craig, where you pass on Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones for Clyde Odersler and Devin Singletary. I'm sorry. If you're going to give me that in the middle of a draft, I'm going to take that every day and twice on Sunday. Like that to me. Three times. On Three times on Sunday, even. I just I don't get it, man. I, I I don't see how you can have these big time drafts. And then you wonder, like, why the same people win these drafts all the time. Well, it's because it's people like Mike but, uh, Clay. But we don't – I can't tell you who won one of these drafts the last 10 years. Well, I but, I mean, if you look at some of these – like, I'll give you, for, for instance, like, Ronis. Go watch Adam Ronis drafts, okay? Adam Ronis is going to win leagues. I'm telling you right now. Like, when he drafts in the that. league, go pay attention to that, okay? That's why I can't wait for my belt to get here. I told him I'm going to take pictures with it, and I'm going to send it to him because we're friends, and I finally beat him in a league, and it's going to be great. Yeah, but he's like, not happy I know he's not. We had him on Black Book. It was very funny. Um, but but like those are the guys to watch. I learn from those drafts for God's sakes. Like you can always learn from people. And, and what you got to do is make sure you separate the experts from the people who are winners. The winners, those are the people to watch in these kind of drafts. And the guys like Adam are. Uh, he wasn't in this one specifically, but I'm telling you right now, uh, Kucinich and Ambrosius, that's a league that I would watch in terms of how they draft. Mike Clay's another one too. Mike Clay's in it to win it. All right, that will do it for our show today, and that'll do it for this fantasy football discussion. Thanks again to Brett, Danny, Ryan for putting our show once again in really good hands. Thanks again to our good friend Matt Sells for coming on the program and John Sheeran from FanDuel. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We're looking forward to catching up with you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Stay here on Sports Grid. A lot of great programming ahead. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.